Well, This Beyond the Test is not a show about being a better teacher. We can't help you there. We can, however, give teachers a voice to tell their stories and to speak their minds. So sit down, get comfy, and let us distract you from that stack of papers or your flooded inbox with stories from teachers just like you. Don't worry, there won't be a quiz at the end. there. Welcome to Will This Be on the Test Teacher Pod. Two teachers explore the realities of education. Today, we will be hearing your pandemic stories. I'm your host, Yo Miss. And I'm your co-host, Mr. E. And uh, Yo Miss, the countdown has begun. Pray tell, the countdown to what, Mr. E? Well, there are 17 days, 18 hours, 50 minutes, and 16 seconds until the final bell at my school. Oh my goodness. What do you do with when it's the final bell? Like when they all leave, what, what do you do? You know, in, in normal years, I would kind of go out into the hall and, and say goodbye and find the kids I, I like and say goodbye and wish them luck in high school. This year, I will probably lock the door and just sit <laughs> at my desk in silence for a while. <laughs> well, we, we used to, um, our principal, when I worked in the elementary school, they used to put on um, Schools Out by Alice Cooper. But coming over the loudspeaker, it just wasn't quite that good. It was pretty tinny and awful. Oh, yeah. But once I was done for the day, and I was heading home, the windows were all open, the sunroof was open, and Alice Cooper was blasting. And (laughs) it was just... I'm going to miss that. I, I am going to miss that. It was a little weird when I did it in my house last year. It was kind of strange. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, it feels like it's it's been a while since we've recorded and I've got some some rapid fire stuff for you. Um, one, state testing sucks. Mm, well, that's, no, that's not a newsflash. Not a controversial thing. Teacher Appreciation Week was okay. Did you get anything good? Yeah. I mean, the, the school bought us lunch a couple times. I got a uh, nice. electric pencil sharpener from the uh, admin team, and that was pretty cool. Wait, that's not a normal supply? No. <laughs> no oh, my gosh. God, no. I, I had like five of them in my classroom, no. and they would be replaced every year. I've got an old-fashioned crank one uh, oh. on my wall. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but but yeah, I got a new one. Um, so that's, that's good for good. you. The most heartbreaking thing happened. I am officially no longer cool. Uh, wait, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Back it up. Yeah. I hate to tell you this, but you were never cool. <laughs> okay. You were never cool. And now you've just owned that. And I think that's a positive step in your 12 step pr- plan to Acceptance, be honest about yes. the fact that you're <laughs> just a total nerd. No. Oh, well, that's true. But hey, nerds are nerds are cool now. You know this, right? Um, and this is why you're not cool. Because you think <laughs> that this is going to convince me. Okay, so why are, why are you no longer cool? Well, uh, we got rid of my wife's old car and we bought a minivan. <laughs> so, it has come to and this. For, you, you were not cool before, but now you are just basically dead mm-hmm. i mean you're just dead yeah that's oh, yeah. it there's your life is over i i had a minivan and uh i was crushed when i got it and it was super practical it took us a lot of great places i could not wait to get rid of that fucking thing it was just brutal oh well we have not recorded in a while and 
just a couple of rapid fire things for, you know, those of us who are <laughs> on the retirement end of things. Um, I traveled cross country or almost all the way across the country. I got to see my son after 471 days of not seeing wow. him, which was awesome. And also was able to see the world's largest rocking chair in Casey, Illinois, and the world's largest easel in Goodland, Kansas. So, you know, if you're looking for some really good times, since you're not cool anymore, you could take that minivan and go see those sites. It would be awesome. And also, <laughs> I uh, ran a half marathon yesterday, 13.1 miles oh. with my daughter. Yep. And today is Mother's Day. So happy Mother's Day to all the moms, all the dog moms, the grandmoms, the cat moms, the teachers who are all moms. To, to their students past and present. So that's what's happening here. And now it's less seconds to the end of the school year. So, <laughs> so it's exciting. Those of you who normally listen to the pod, this is usually where Mr. E um, attempts to come up with a positive news story. And he actually attempted to and sort of got there. But our entire episode today is really actually just one large current event. So we decided to just forego the current event that we usually have and to move on to that. And what we're talking about today are pandemic teaching stories. And we wanted to hear your, your stories and how you felt about what you've been doing for the past year or year and a half. And uh, we wanted to document that because what has been happening has been amazing. And it's been amazingly impressive and it's been amazingly upsetting at times. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, looking through all the stories, it, there's some positivity there, but there's also just a lot of really eye-opening stuff and it's heartbreaking to read in, in a lot of it different is. ways. Yeah. So settle in, be ready to be depressed. No, um, <laughs> But uh, welcome to our in podcast, and, and, everybody. Yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> grab, grab your alcoholic beverage of choice because you probably need one. Is that an option? Um, can I can I do uh, that? Don't you always? <laughs> um, okay, so we're gonna go with our first story, and what I found about this one is it just seems to be very representative of so many people's experiences from the people I've spoken to and that we've heard from on the various social media platforms that we use. So here we go. Um, I didn't want to go into the building in November when my district was calling us back in. I have asthma and it wasn't an underlying condition that was being accepted to remain virtual. I have a family who relies on my job for health insurance and my paycheck to pay the mortgage. So a leave of absence was not a choice. They kept saying teachers are essential. I didn't feel essential. With COVID numbers so high in the state and my district forcing us back into a closed building and telling us to open the windows for ventilation, I felt expendable. I felt abandoned by my union, who I didn't feel was fighting hard enough to keep us remote. I felt betrayed by my own town, who posted hateful anti-teacher comments on social media. I felt angry towards my friends who said they were tired of teaching their kids and working at the same time, as if their child's teacher wasn't doing anything at all, as if it was okay for them to stay home and work, but their child's teacher should go back to work so their kid wouldn't be home anymore, as if I wasn't a working mother too. 
What was I supposed to do with two kids whose district was still virtual when mine opened up? After months of sacrificing to keep us safe, I was scared for my health and for the health of my family, but I had no choice, I had to work. So in I went. We were virtual September to November, then hybrid for two weeks, then virtual again. That two weeks in November took a little bit of my teaching soul. I have never felt more ineffective as an educator in my 10 years in the classroom. The logistics of teaching five students in person from behind a desk while simultaneously teaching 16 students behind their screens is something you cannot expect a person to be capable of doing. I had one laptop, one Chromebook, a broken smart board, intense COVID anxiety, and an internet not capable of handling the many meets going on at that moment from our building. I had no way of projecting my Google Meet to my in-person students to teach them while teaching my virtual students through the Meet. After dismissal that first day, I cried. I cried after every day those two weeks and wondered how I was going to survive the school year. There was a surge in COVID cases and they made us virtual again until January. After winter break, we went back and we've been back since. Since then, I have found my groove teaching hybrid. It has not become easier, but I have become more flexible and more experienced at making it work, whatever happens. This year of teaching has taught me many things. The most important one I think is to not get worked up over things I can't control. Just manage what I can control and make it work. That's the only way I have survived this year as a teacher. There are either technology issues, issues, scheduling interruptions, student issues, or more tech issues. But whatever it is, the students need to learn. So I just have to take a breath and make it work. If we are a day behind, oh well. It'll get done tomorrow and the kids will learn it then. Even through a screen, I know my students. I know what they like. I know their interests. I know their personalities. Through a computer, I know when they are sad or having a bad day. Through a computer, I know when they are distracted by something in their house or excited about an assignment. In fact, I know even more about them. I know what posters are hung up in their bedrooms. I know who has bunk beds and who shares a room with their sibling. I've met all their pets. I know what they eat for breakfast and what characters are on their pajamas. On top of that, my students know more about me. My students know my cat who would join us for math every morning on the back of my chair. They say bless you when they hear my husband sneeze in the background while I'm teaching reading. They give me suggestions of movies to watch for weekend movie nights that they know I have with my kids. They suggest video games to buy them for the Nintendo Switch. They try to explain YouTube videos to me that I just don't understand. And their newest obsession is telling me jokes to see if I can guess the punchline. Even through a screen, we were able to create that special teacher-student bond. Yeah, I, I really admire this this person for for being able to find the positive in in a situation like that because the idea yeah. of teaching in person students and and sixteen virtual students at the same time mm -hmm. with I mean talk about limited resources. Yeah, that was what was going on in my district that I left as well though that there wasn't enough bandwidth to have the students in person be in the meet and so. What they said is, well, if they're in person, they shouldn't have to be in the meet, but then it's impossible to interact with the other students. Right. So I, I thought that was so representative of everything I've heard. I, I thought it was just amazing, an amazing perseverance as well. Okay. 
So another story here. So here we go. The weekend before everything shut down, I had traveled to a different state for a competition with my second jobs team. I was a sports coach on the side of teaching. When I came back, one of the students who made my life a living hell on the regular showed up to my class with a poncho, face mask, and entire thing of Lysol wipes of her own. She only wore it in my class because you went to Arizona, you have COVID now. That's a quote. Uh, the principal came in to ask a question about something and saw her. She immediately removed everything and was his innocent little princess again. As soon as he was gone, she put it back on and was yelling about how I was COVID positive and would, would infect everyone in the class. Going to virtual teaching saved my sanity last year. Currently, I am actually working as a SPED IA in a virtual school and have been loving everything about it. My students are so respectful. The school requires cameras to be on and the students follow that. I go to break, uh, breakout rooms to work with the kids on my caseload and they are always so happy to work with me and so appreciative. I literally get thank you messages on Canvas from them that melt my heart. Making the jump from high school, which I had always done, to a virtual middle school has renewed my love of teaching and working with students. I mean, can you imagine some kids screaming at you, you know? Plus, I want to know where that kid got those Lysol wipes. Those were hard to get back then. They really you know, yeah, they You really know, that were. was like, if a kid took those out of their home, that's just not okay. I mean, I'm sure their parents <laughs> were like, wait a minute, where are those wipes going? I mean, there was, there was a lot of like panic over traveling to other states and rightfully so. Yes. I mean, if you, and I know we like to give Florida a hard time on this show. <laughs> And for good reason, but they, they never shut down at all. They were having massive spring break parties uh -huh. and Arizona got really bad for a while there too. So, so, um, I know all of you love just hearing Mr. E and I go back and forth and reading all these, but we actually have a guest with us today. Um, somebody who had a COVID teaching experience or, you know, had her career affected by COVID. This is Kelly. Hi. And so why don't you um, tell us a little bit about just, you know, general area of the country you were in and, uh, you know, what level you were teaching at? Um, Mid-Atlantic, Northeast um, uh, part of the country. Um, okay. I actually started teaching um, at the school that I was teaching at in uh, 2017 as a self-contained special ed teacher for elementary um, K to four. Okay. So. So that's, that's a tough job. Yes. That's a very, very tough job. I admire you for being able to do that. Thank you. Now you've said that you were doing that. Why don't you tell us? Sure. So um, what happened? So, so March, 2020, you know, the, when the world's, you know, turned upside down, I think it was March 14th or something like that. Yes. It was March 13th. Yeah. March actually. 13th. Was the, that was the Friday. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Um, we were making packets for kids, you know, we were getting things mm -hmm. together. We were scared to touch people. <laughs> it was like insane. And the whole time I'm like, how the hell is this going to work for my kids that I work with? You know, the kids I work with are hands on. They're like, we have to prompt them. We have to, you know, there's lots of physical stuff going on. So I was really nervous about that. And by like the, I guess like two weeks in with the packets, I started realizing like, especially the kids I work with, like they need more, you know, like they were just not. Mm -hmm. So I like, I kind of like overstepped my boundaries. Like I always did as a teacher, um, which 
so most of the time it actually panned out pretty well for me. I actually was one of the first people in my district to do like live teaching with my kids. So oh, I was, okay. I was doing that not as often as it looked like in the fall, but it was enough that was keeping them, you know, in the loop. And, mm-hmm. and then all summer, I also did, um, I did extended school year. So okay. I was also doing virtual there around August, I guess, like mid August, we found out that like, most people were not going back right away, they were going to be virtual. It had to be like the second week of September. They told us mm-hmm. that weekend before that only special ed was going back self contained. So just you, yeah. basically. Yeah, it was just wow. it was about I say about 10 of us in the district. So mm-hmm. that's from elementary to high school. So we were we were pissed. We were really pissed. Yeah. I guess by the second or third week of September, self-contained was back in the classroom. Now, as I was teaching with ESY, it was actually, everything was going really well. You know, like you hear all on the internet and like all over the place, like self-contained, special ed, like these kids were getting like, you know, no, you know, they're not doing well. And my kids were doing really well. Okay. And I'm not just saying that based on my experience, I'm based on uh, feedback from parents, based on administration's Mm -hmm. feedback. Um, so. So let me, let me back yeah. up for a second. So uh, when the decision was made for self-contained to come back in person, were you or any of your colleagues who teach self-contained, were, were you guys consulted at all? Nope. In July of 2020, I started realizing that my situation at home was not going to be improving. And also the pandemic was still like, <laughs> not good. Mm-hmm. Uh, in July, I started talking to like HR and trying to figure out things for myself. Um, and August of 2020, they had like a couple forums for teachers to kind of like voice mm-hmm. their opinions. So they had like these Zoom forums, which mm-hmm. was really, which was great. You know, like we could say what, how we felt and things like that. And you know, I just decided I can't hold in how I'm feeling any longer. And I just, I you know, I signed up. I was like, let me just do it. I was in front of like 250 people and just told them mm-hmm. my story. And, and, you know, I did get a lot of really great feedback. I even heard, like, I got a phone call, like from the superintendent <laughs> oh, wow. trying to just kind of like wow. help me along with like what, how they could accommodate me. But you know what, mm-hmm. their accommodations were pretty, it was still not enough. It was like, okay, we'll give you extra PPE. <laughs> like, well, you know, I already knew my situation was not looking great for um, going back to like a in-person type situation because my father-in-law, mm-hmm. he deals with um, heart failure and, um, you know, all the way they were talking about COVID and heart. And I was like, well, this is not, this is not okay. Cause I'm constantly getting sick as an elementary school teacher. Of course, especially self-contained. And also special. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, my, I mean, I don't want to tell you the things I've touched throughout my lifetime of being a special <laughs> teacher. So, um, you know, I've, it's pretty gross. Um, but yeah, I was always getting sick. I was always bringing something home, you know, like I just couldn't, couldn't jeopardize that. And I also didn't want to be the person to possibly get somebody sick or kill somebody in my household. Of course. You know, absolutely. So like, okay, well, Kelly doesn't have these issues. Her father-in-law does. You know, like they kept looking at that situation. So it wasn't as important, which pissed them off. So I had to make a split decision on, okay, well, I guess I can't go back. So what, what are you going to give me? So they gave me like two weeks of working virtually while a teacher, she was in my classroom, basically just sitting there while I did all the lesson planning, 
I was like Max Headroom. Like I think about the 80s, you know, like Max Headroom from the 80s. <laughs> like <laughs> That's the best reference yeah. you could have made. Right <laughs> yeah. there. So like I was the one that was like directing everything. I was, but I did all that work. She really was just there. She was a body. And then they're like, well, by October 2nd, you're going to have to take an unpaid leave. And I was like, oh, mm. why not? You know, why not be unpaid? <laughs> <laughs> I, this is a hobby. Exactly. Anyway. Exactly. A um, and I also had to pay into my benefits, which was fine. You know, that was fine. Thankfully, I ha- I don't have it so rough where I am right now in my house, which is good. Um, you know, I'm very mm-hmm. grateful for that. I'm grateful because I know a lot of people don't have that opportunity to just leave a job. <laughs> By November, I mm-hmm. realized that shit, this situation is not getting better. Okay. And I was like, oh, shit, like, I have to make a decision by November. Like, okay. Right. So I threw it out there again. They were, the whole district started going back virtual again because the pandemic was still like out of control. And mm-hmm. they put everybody virtual until January again. I was like, this is the perfect opportunity to have me come back. Like I can come back. My kids know me. They've known me for four years. Oh. They, they, their excuse for me not coming back was it's going to be d- too disruptive. <laughs> They were just giving me these really strange excuses. And I was like, this is such bullshit because you have all these other teachers that are able to be virtual till January who didn't have to take a leave, who didn't have to lose things. Like, this is ridiculous. So I wrote like letters. I like, I even started calling some lawyers. I was like, things like what's like something has to happen. Nothing happened. (laughs) I think it was November 15th. I, I resigned. And then by January, I was officially resigned. It completely shattered me. It did it. It did. I, I I poured so much of myself into that job. I was like, it was just, it was so, it was actually really disheartening to see who doesn't fight for you when you're in a situation like this. It wasn't just who wouldn't fight for you, but also how replaceable you are or, or how replaceable your boss or your superintendent or your board of ed thinks you are. And you, you know, when you're working and doing your job and having these relationships with kids and parents and teaching, and and especially in your position where, you know, that's so, you know, such an intense relationship and for them to just say, well, see you, we'll find somebody else to, to fill your job. And you're like, what? I I thought I mattered, you know, it's, it's, can be very very hard yeah. but it's it's yeah and and the, the the language that they use consistently in 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 the the school environment is how we're all family and how we're all wait a minute you can't do exactly what we want you to do so oh, i guess you're not family so see ya mm-hmm. yeah and and i i still think about how i didn't hear from my my direct supervisor i still have yet to hear from her yeah so what's your plan going forward now that things seem to be you know people are getting vaccinated and i'm not saying it's it's not over obviously but it's you know heading in the right direction um so like my life has really taken a a bit of an interesting turn um not in a good way i'm sorry yeah um this past february actually my father-in-law um ended up in the hospital for a month with complications from heart failure and yeah thank you and he almost didn't make it actually um so right now my husband and I are like full-time caretaking and it's really hard for me to like make plans. Like I'm, I, it's like, I can't think out of like tomorrow. It's like, okay, what am I doing tomorrow? But I, I'm a, I'm a go-getter. Like I've, you know, I've been through a lot in my life and <clears throat> I'm very persistent. 
And mm -hmm. one thing is I do have some like business things going on right now in the background. So I'm working, I really want to start consulting and I special ed is like my thing. So I'm looking into becoming like an advocate, special ed advocate. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Um, and I'm taking courses here and there. Like I'm really into kids yoga. So I'm like looking into maybe getting certified in that. Oh, cool. Doing mindfulness really cool. training. Um, yeah. So yeah, I have a lot of things going for me. <laughs> um, it's just a matter of, you know, what will fit into my life right now. Cause it's, I don't have a lot of time. So at some point down the road, you, just having been someone who has lost parents, it's to have the time to be able to do what you're doing for your father-in-law right now. My people call it a mitzvah. And I will tell you, Yomis, January was really hard for me because I was like, wow, I'm really leaving something that I love. By like mm -hmm. February, when all that started happening with my with him in the hospital, I really mm -hmm. came to this like realization, like, holy shit, like if I was teaching full time right now, I wouldn't have been able to get through this mentally. So I, I was given actually, I feel like I was given a gift in many ways that resigning from that position. I don't say I'm going to leave teaching forever because I always feel like I'm always going to be a teacher, but it's going to probably be in a, a different type of way. I'm sorry you went through this, but it also seems like, as you said, you're a go-getter, you're perseverant, and it seems like this is not going to defeat you no. in any way, shape, or form. It's just not. No. I mean, I definitely felt defeated. I will tell you, like, and for everybody listening, like, it is hard, and it's, like, really hard to pick yourself back up, but, like, you know, I feel like teachers in general are just resilient people. Thank you for coming on and telling our story. Oh, thank you. Your for story. Share. Hang out. Okay. Hang out with us in the, uh, in the uh, podcast den here. <laughs> and uh, we're going to move on to hear more depressing stories. Hey. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> All right. Here we go. So here's our next one. Okay. I met my students face to face for the first time this past Friday for state testing. Wow. What an intro. Oh. <laughs> Uh, yeah. For context, I teach high school. Found out that I had been mispronouncing a few names all year, despite me asking them to please correct me if I was wrong. And the worst, a student that I thought was a girl is actually a boy. I not only, oh, shit. I not only mispronounced his name, <laughs> but absolutely used incorrect pronouns when referring to any answers he shared in class. He is one of many who has never turned on his camera for Zoom classes, so I had no idea. I was so embarrassed, and I felt so bad. I apologized profusely, but shaking my head, man, this year has sucked, LOL. Oh, man. That's just... <laughs> That's you know, brutal. Have you ever seen that that Key and Peel uh, sketch? The substitute teacher. I have not. Comes in and oh man, okay, I'm gonna have to send it to you because it's hilarious. Okay. Um, you, you will, yeah, you will. Love okay. It. Uh, but but I feel like that guy on the first day of school every year <laughs> trying to pronounce names. Yeah. You know, like it's and it's just the worst. It's bad. I know. It's. <laughs> And I, I'll say, I, I apologize in advance. I'm going to mispronounce your name. And, but yeah, that's finding out in April that you've been doing it and misgendering the student. That's, that's pretty bad. All right. Uh, I've got a pretty long one here. So strap in. Mm -hmm. I've been a specialist teacher since starting my teaching career a little over a decade ago. I teach a mix of instrumental music and general music. 
When the pandemic began and we moved into lockdown mode, I struggled, but continued to keep having banned practices via Google Meets and Zooms when we were all trying to figure things out. My instrumental music program numbers certainly took a hit, as many others have all around the world. The goal became, how do I keep them involved? Some of our rehearsals became more conversational, just to keep kids in good spirits and to hear how they feel about what was going on in the world. We had no concerts to worry about. We met with kids before our scheduled times in the morning, as well as during our lunch periods and even after school was over for the virtual day. Fast forward to September, when we started right away with a hybrid model of Group A on Mondays and Tuesdays, Group B on Thursdays and Fridays, and fully virtual on Wednesdays for the deep cleaning of the school. All of the specialist teachers, which are music, art, PE, Spanish, and computers were all relegated to grunt work. We were given very light schedules so that we, we would be available to take students out for mask breaks several times a day, and we were also given the task of calling the parents of students when their child was not present for virtual schooling. This meant that we were put on group text with teachers in our assigned grade levels and were, in a way, at their beck and call. On the virtual Wednesdays, special teachers were given no classes so that we could call the homes of the students all day. Some of my coworkers on the specials team even have students' home numbers on their speed dials because they end up calling every day or several times during the same day. Now, for other teachers out there, this might not seem like such a big deal, but what came from this was an established hierarchy of importance. Specials teachers were and still are being treated as glorified secretaries to colleagues that are supposed to be on the same level, just teaching different subjects. Well, the level of respect we have garnered over the school year continually goes way down. Some of our actual colleagues began to demand us to make phone calls for their students while they themselves were on their preps. Some still get two preps during a four-hour day or after school hours and would even complain to administration if we were late by five or so minutes for a mask break. We were given our schedules by administration, and then the core subject teachers complained that specials, specials teachers don't have enough to do. Wow. Uh, especially on those virtual Wednesdays. I literally had to beg administration to let me do my job because my schedule was filled with mask breaks and phone calls. I taught one class a day. Oh, there's a lot to unpack here. That's my editorial comment. <laughs> oh, but wait, there's more. I went to school to teach music. The world seemingly came to a screeching halt, and we all needed to work together to pick up the pieces. What hurts the most is that we are in a profession that has typically been disrespected by the public, and then to add on being disrespected by others in the same profession because we chose to teach something classified as a special really put in perspective that this is a job, nothing more and nothing less. If I died tomorrow, they'd easily find someone else to do mask breaks and make phone calls. I used to, like so many other teachers, put in 250% for my job. Now, I find that I do what is absolutely necessary and then go home to my family. Teaching is just a job. My passion is for music, and I will continue to give 100% to my music students, but I'm not going above and beyond my duties at school anymore. You can't just be in it for the students while constantly getting spat on by your so-called colleagues. We're not in this together. 
It's every man or woman for themselves, unfortunately. That is not teaching. That's something. Wow. I don't know how you say, you know, and again, this has been going on for, you know, this whole year where although we're all teachers and we all should be the same and whatever, you know, just like in Kelly's situation where it was like, okay, well, you guys have to go in, even though everybody else doesn't have to. Here we have teachers who are qualified teachers and yet they are not doing their jobs. They are being told, okay, just take the kids here. Like it, it just makes them feel like their jobs are completely unimportant. Yeah. And I, I, it really resonates with me about doing what's necessary and then going home to his family. Cause like mm-hmm. I have a family, I have a wife, I have two kids, you know, I, I've got other stuff going on. And like the expectation is that I'm supposed to stay until six, seven o'clock planning lessons and coming in two hours early for, for what? Like yeah. I don't get paid more. I mean, that was one, one thing I always used to say when I was teaching was, you know, these kids are important, but the kids that are most important are the ones that live in my house. Okay, back by popular demand. We have our engineer, Scotty, here to uh, help us read a story or two. So Scotty, take it away, please. Thank you for having me back. I appreciate it. And I always have fun reading these things. So this one wrote, teachers are being asked to quarantine if you go on vacation to an area that is not in one of our neighboring states. And if the teacher is not fully vaccinated and they have had their last vaccine at least two weeks prior. Sometimes this will mean that teachers have to take unpaid days as sick days aren't allowed for this purpose. There's nothing wrong with this policy except that the students are not being held to the same policy. Students can travel anywhere they want. Their parents do not have to tell anyone and they can come back to school the very next day. Also, one of my students' fathers decided that formal dress is not necessary while he appeared on camera behind his child during virtual learning. In fact, other than underwear, no dress was necessary. His parent <laughs> walked back and forth behind his child clad only in his tidy whiteies. Oh, man. And you know what? That's one of the reasons why I fought so hard against hybrid teaching. It's a major privacy violation because like... It- it is. And, and there was a big discussion about that, you know, about the privacy of the home and, and all of those kinds of things. Um, but in the end, if there is going to be virtual teaching, for God's sakes, put some clothes on. I mean, are, are you kidding? So thank you for that story. Okay. Thank you, Scotty. You will be back. All right, here we go. Started the year as a long-term sub virtually. Then in January, got a new position at a new school as a kindergarten teacher. Much more my style and age, but taught virtually until March 28th. I think they're talking about this year. Yesterday was my first day of hybrid all year. I have an AM in-person group and a PM afternoon class that remains virtual. This week, our district also announced we will be transitioning to full day instruction in three weeks after we have been preparing for this hybrid schedule for almost two months. This year has just been lonely and challenging because we just can't reach the students the same way in a virtual platform. I am also sick of our schedule constantly changing and all the shuffling of what my job looks like and even kids in classes. Looking forward to hopefully some more consistency next year. 
Yeah, it's it's uh, sounds pretty chaotic there. Sounds pretty 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 crazy. Mr. E, you are up. All right. Uh, I have a student whose whose family speaks Spanish, and my student teacher and I were grading his most recent essay. Uh, this student seems to have typed his essay in Spanish and then used Google Translate and a thesaurus to bring it back into English. We caught this when we noticed that he used some very inappropriate terms to describe sections of the book that we had just read, which was Night, the Holocaust Memoir by Ellie, Ellie Wiesel. Some of the most cringeworthy moments were when this student wrote, and I quote, the little lad bit the dust. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> when referring to a young boy being hanged in section four of the book, I should not be laughing. I know. I'm so sorry. But it's, uh, it's pretty crazy. Oh. And the student then went on to call the crematorium at Auschwitz a heater. And workshopping this essay with, with said student has become nearly impossible because of distance learning. Okay. So this year I teach a unit um, about like um, wartime literature and, and uh, we actually read Elie Wiesel's uh, Nobel Prize acceptance speech. Mm -hmm. And I just can't imagine making this kind of mistake. I know. But again, because the kid's not in school and mm -hmm. he's just doing it all at home like they can't correct him and uh, you know uh, when he says the little lad bit the dust like if he was in school he would have the benefit of a teacher working with him hopefully an oh, esl God. teacher helping him out so yes this is what happens when kids are sort of out in the ozone uh okay scotty come on back and uh grab our next story for us please next we have been hybrid since march and it's been about 50-50. I teach exclusively freshman math, and I feel so bad for these kids. High school is hard enough as it is, but so many don't know others in the school. But I will say I'm forming some of the best relationships with the in-person kids. We took a detour today, and everyone had finished their quiz in person. It turned into practicing cursive all over my chalkboards. I'm not going to lie. It was great seeing them laugh and try to write their names as signaturely as possible. We have block scheduling in these, and essentially spent 30 minutes just doodling all over my boards. It was the most normal thing we've done in over a year. I just wish my remote kids could be part of it. Yeah, that's true. All those, those moments, just, you know, it, it must be such a refreshing thing when something like that actually can happen. Not to mention the fact that nobody learns cursive. So just practicing that is, is always, it's always a good time. We used to do that. Well, they called it scribbling, so that's probably not too yeah. inaccurate. Okay. Well, we are going to have our, our last pandemic teaching story for our episode. So here we go. I've been teaching virtually all year, and I'm approved to continue virtually through the school year. My school has been concurrent for over a month, and there are students in my room being served by my classroom monitor four days a week. Overall, after surviving the first few pre-planning weeks and couple months, I've enjoyed teaching virtually. The first few months were brutal, especially the workload, as schools didn't adjust expectations for teachers who were dealing with an incredible amount of change, work, and pressures. Once everyone adjusted, the county had phased into the never-ending announcements of changes. 
I like tech, so I like learning about new applications and exploring ways to build relationships with students and families virtually. My workload is still much higher than in pre-COVID teaching. That's hard to imagine since I work in a high demand and expectation school district. My students have grown, still talk about missing each other, me and our routines when summer comes, even though we're all tired and ready for it too. I'll count those relationships and their growth as successes. This year had me job hunting for other work early on, but now I'm excited about the possible changes in education from here on out. I don't think it'll all be handled well, but I'm hoping some good will come out of it. We need to shift how we see our roles and the roles schools can play. We saw how there was suddenly funds for free lunches, tech, additional staff when communities demanded it. We need that pressure with none of the excuses in the future so we can make dramatic changes to how education works. And I think that's a great one to end on because it's a positive look at how things are going. And, and it's, it's true. All of a sudden, the money was there. Yeah. And if that money is there, let's, let's use it wisely. And let's, yeah. you know, change things that have needed change for years and years and years. And it, and it didn't cripple the economy. It didn't, you know, like the, the economy was rich. crippled already. It didn't, it was all a mess. So thank you to everyone who um, participated and sent us pandemic teaching stories. We hope that you are not crying and see your Jameson too badly right now. The countdown is on. Summer is coming. Um, so and next year will look completely different. But uh, what you all have been doing out there is just, it's amazing. And you should all be super proud of, of what you've done, what you've accomplished. Okay. We are going to move into our pop quiz section of our show. That is where we ask our guest a couple of questions and put them on the spot, but not, not really badly. But one of the things we had actually heard from a listener was um, she was listening to the show, loves the show, and she was thinking about her own situation currently in uh, teaching during the pandemic. And she thought to herself, what do I need? What do I need from my situation to feel better about my situation? And she related it to a concept that a lot of you have heard of. It's called the love languages, which so this is, you know, relationship patter. But there are five love languages and, and basically people ha all have certain things they need in order to feel loved. And they include gifts, acts of service, uh, quality time, words of affirmation and physical touch. So we're going to throw a physical touch out right, right here. Cause we're talking about school. So out. But <laughs> if, if you were going to talk about you know, briefly, if you had admin do something for you that would have made your situation better, you know, what would it be? Would it be a gift, an act of service, quality time or words of affirmation? So Kelly, you're going to be our first Guinea pig on this one. Um, so we're going to ask you, like, ha when you were going through everything you went through, what would have made you not necessarily changed your situation, but made you feel better? What would you have thought? I would have loved if they would have been able to accommodate me virtually until I could go back. Okay, so that would have been an, an act of service, I guess. 
I think in general, I'm an active service person myself. I like that. But from my admin, I, I would have liked words of affirmation. I would have liked somebody to oh, say, that too. you know, yeah. you're doing a great job or we're sorry to see you go or something like that. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think for me, it would be communication. Just mm -hmm. communicate what you want from me. And, and this, yeah. How does that fit into our, our love languages here though? You can't make up a new language here. Oh man. Um, I guess that would be an act of service, right? Like, like <laughs> do the courtesy of, of telling me what you, what you want from me. Um, I guess. Be clear, you know, yeah. I, I guess that would be, yeah. Or quality time. Or take some things off my plate, mm. you know, like. That's an act of service. Yes. Yeah. That's sure. that, that definitely yeah. is. All right, so now we'll get into our regular questions. Mr. E, do you want to start off? Yeah. In which Hogwarts house would you be sorted? <laughs> That's a good one. Um, well, I will I will say Gryffindor would, was was always my uh, I feel like I'm I'm like a lot like Hermione. So <laughs> I was always like the mother hen. I was always like the try to control the situation well i am currently wearing slytherin socks so oh, <laughs> I will say, as i get older i'm kind of leaning towards like the slytherin i'm a little dark <laughs> you know and and my students actually made me take one of those like personality hogwarts sorting hat tests and mm -hmm. and consistently every time i test out as a ravenclaw so yes. i act i actually test i did the same test and i tested as a gryffindor Okay. What imaginary course do you think would have been helpful for you as a teacher? And it can be something funny. So if you had to come up with a, a class, oh my gosh. what would this it be? Funny. I think of like the show Double Dare. Do you remember that show? Like uh -huh. in the 80s? Um, something along those lines, like maybe not Double Dare, but it was like a, a, a class that taught you how to... Um, shield yourself from bodily fluids. So. <laughs> you took that in a way different direction than I thought you were going to. So like, oh, for example, she taught self-contained. I mean, so I, I had, um, and it wasn't my most recent job, but I had an experience once where a student started dancing in her pee and I had to ignore Ooh. the behavior and it was disgusting. Oh. Um, so I think about like double dairy, you know, when they had to like go down the um the nose with the booger yes. and all that like it, that was just my life like I was covered in just constant oh, substances man. so see the one I came up with also actually involves uh bodily fluids and it is how to strengthen your bladder totally a class totally what you would need Mr. E you have any ideas there uh, based on my uh, embarrassing experience this year, uh, it would be some sort of laundry sorting class so that my wife's underwear does not end up in our cleaning rags. Yes, yes. Yeah. How, how to appropriately sort laundry. Yes, that's, that's right. Yeah, you need that. You need that class. Also, the other class you might want to think about is, am I cool? No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I'm I'm third. I'm 38 years old. That that ship sailed long ago. Uh, well, I, see, I beg to differ. I'm 61, and I am the fucking coolest person I know. I mean, seriously. But you said earlier that you never leave the house, so like, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm the coolest. Unfortunately, yo, Mister has to you know put up with that. But what can I say? 
you know? Poor fella. Yeah, I know. So it's a, it's a, sad, <laughs> it's a sad, sad tale. Okay. Well, Kelly, thank you so much for joining us and for telling your story. It was uh, sad, but I'm glad you got the opportunity to tell it. Um, and thank you again to everyone who who sent us contributions to our, our story. Also, I just want to quickly thank everybody who participated in our giveaways this week. We had five winners of various $5 gift cards here and there, and we're able to answer several questions about the pod. So uh, we will do that again at some point, but it was, it was lots of fun to hear from all of you. I'd like to give a quick shout out to Josie Hartson from Short Quest Long Rest for doing our intro. Uh, and thank you again to Mrs. E for our artwork and Scotty for making the audio magic happen and to all of you for listening. Please subscribe, rate, and review us whenever you listen to the podcast. And please uh, spread the word. If you know someone who you think would enjoy, let them know. Okay. And of course, if you'd like to be on the pod, please let us know as well. You can find us on Facebook at Will This Be on the Test Teacher Pod, on Instagram at WTBOTTCast, or Will This Be on the Test Teacher Pod, on our website. Will this be on the test teacherpod.podbean.com? Or you can email us at WTBOTTCast at gmail.com. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at WTBOTTCast or by searching Will This Be on the Test Teacher Pod. And you can join our subreddit at r slash WTBOTT underscore teacher underscore pod. Again, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. So stay safe. And please remember to breathe.